Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Welcome back, everybody. All right, here's what I have planned. I got a few things I want to mention right here at the very top, uh, just kind of a couple of suggestions on a few things, a couple of things to pay attention to. And then I want to get into this particular article having to do with college IQ and how individuals who are attending colleges and universities apparently now have the same IQ as those who do not. And all of that has basically just become the baseline average, apparently, with mainstream society. If, of course, the IQ test can be actually taken seriously, which there's plenty of articles and lots of deliberation out there as to whether or not that's even valid. But for this, particular argument in this particular article, we will take it seriously. Uh, I want to get into the Iowa fake shooting that occurred last week and break that down. And I have two particular pieces of audio that I think are going to highlight really a, a very good contrast as to more evidence as to why such things are fake. Again, if, if details on such an incident don't come out quickly and accurately, and questions aren't answered in a timely fashion, then that should be just one of many giveaways, I think. But I have two conflicting pieces of audio from two completely separate locations in the United States regarding a particular incident that occurred that involved a shooting, not school-related, that actually did happen. And then, of course, the initial press conference from the local police officer and sheriff in that small town in Iowa who claims that this happened along with the three letter agencies that were standing behind him and protecting him and of course the details that he did not provide and what's interesting about both pieces of audio again before i even play it i'll just kind of set it up briefly here is is that you're going to hear again just polar opposites when it comes to details in such an event both of these incidents again separate separate shootings altogether one not even involving a school, and then, of course, this fake one involving a school. But what's interesting, again, is they both occurred within the same day, and they both occurred just hours apart from the actual shooting taking place, and then, of course, reporting to the media the details that they have. So, again, one of the dead giveaways in these situations is that the details are not known. And... They should be known. It should be very easy to find out and very easy to tell the public. This was the name of the individual very quickly. Here were the individuals who were shot. Uh, here's the, uh, the number of victims, the number of wounded. We have the gun. Here was the kind of gun that was used, blah, blah, blah. None of that really came out immediately five hours into the entire thing, which is rather ridiculous. But uh, again, I'll get into that more specifically here in a little bit. And then I have plenty of jab-related things as well, not to mention... On Monday, January 8th and the 9th, allegedly Anthony Fauci is still going to be testifying to Congress, allegedly, allegedly, and we will see if that actually happens and if that actually takes place. But time will tell. And again, I have more jab-related things as well. Okay, here we go, right off the top. First of all, I watched the, again, this was really making the rounds kind of on social media, but I watched the Shannon Sharp and Cat Williams conversation. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with both, Shannon Sharp used to be an NFL football player for the Green Bay Packers and then, of course, the Denver Broncos. He may have played for another team as well. I want to say Washington maybe, but I'm not sure about that. Either way, 
Uh, you know, he's not always the sharpest knife in the drawer. But again, he apparently has this podcast, which I was unaware of, and, uh, and he has people on and, and talks with them and whatever else. Uh, but he had Cat Williams on, who is a well-known comedian and has always been a stand-up comic. Grew up uh, in Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio. And he's had one hell of a life. And this is a God-fearing man. And I'll tell you something. He, uh, it, it just really is a very good, a very good talk. He, he, they talk a lot about, Cat Williams says in particular, a lot about Hollywood corruption. He talks about how deals are made, how people get these movie deals, how you have to play a particular game. A lot of it, of course, is wrapped around sex and money and blackmail and a thousand other things. And he gets into all of it. Again, spends a lot of time talking about lying and and people cheating and stealing jokes and a thousand other things. It it, it really is an eye-opening experience. And I'll tell you something, this is an awake guy. There's no doubt he's awake. And uh and he's, you know, he's he constantly brings up 2024. He goes, This is the reckoning. He goes, These people aren't gonna be able to hide. No one's gonna look at these people the same ever again. People are finding out all kinds of things now, and he goes, and it's not gonna let up. I mean, this is an awake guy. He's a well-read guy too. And you'll hear him talk about it. I mean, he grew up just reading endless books on a constant basis and would hide out in, in libraries and, and just read constantly. But uh, again, I would, I would recommend bouncing over to YouTube and checking that out and, and giving that a watch. Again, it's about two and a half hours long. So I fully understand if people don't have the time or they don't want to. But if you get some downtime, it really is one of those conversations that kind of sucks you in. Because again, he, you know, it's it's a bit gossipy, but at the exact same time, he's, he's, he's exposing what Hollywood is and what the entire industry is. And again, he openly says, if you don't play the game, then there's only so far that you can go. And, uh, and, and if you don't bend the knee, well, they're going to kick you to the curb and then they're going to try to slander you and liable you and do a thousand other things. And again, he, br- he brings up numerous examples, but it really is, uh, it really is an interesting talk. So again, you can bounce over on YouTube and check that out. It's, a, you know, it's on, uh, I, I forget the name of his show, but as far as Shannon Sharp is concerned, but it's on his podcast. And uh, again, it's a video chat, so you can see both of them talking with one another. Okay, so there's that. Uh, there's also this, college football, speaking of football to some extent, get a load of what's going to actually happen during the college championship game. This is directly from ESPN's website, and it says the following. It says, when is the game and how can fans watch? It says, the main broadcast will air on ESPN at 7.30 p.m. Eastern with Chris Fowler and Kirk Herbstreet calling the game and Holly Rowe and Molly McGrath reporting from the sidelines. It says, this broadcast, and here's the kicker, this broadcast will feature state-of-the-art technology including eight end-zone pylon cams, ref cams, Goalpost cams, goal line robotic cams, a wireless handheld cam, and more. So, this is going to be the most surveilled football game in the history of football games when it comes to calls on the field. Now, me personally, I find this hilarious because they're acting as if, and of course they're gaslighting endless people, but they're acting as if they can't do this in every game. And they're acting like this is the only game where they can do this. Well, of course, that's not true. 
And the other gaslighting part that occurs specifically with the game of football, which again is one of many reasons why I don't watch, but it's simply because not only do they gaslight individuals to their faces, but they refuse to review particular plays when it's evident that something went wrong or when a particular call was not the particular call that needed to be made. And then they throw out this line or this rule that says, well, we can't review that. See, they're not really interested in getting it right. They're interested in making it look like they're going to get it right. They're interested in making it look like it's going to be the most surveilled and fair thing you've ever seen. Trust us, trust us, trust us. By the way, you can bet on it if you want, and our AI system will tell you who's going to win and who isn't. And a thousand other things. Now, I actually tested out that AI system on the last four bowl games just to see if it was actually legit. What was funny was, is the scoring in ESPN's betting system and and the line that they picked was inaccurate. But their winners, three of the four games, were, were correct. Their AI system picked three of the four games to be the winners. So, you know, take it for what it is. It's gambling one way or another. But again, they're, they're putting in all of this technology now in this particular game. Again, why didn't you have it in the, all, the, all the other games? Why, why wasn't it in the 6-6 six and six versus the 6-6 six and six teams? I mean, they were saying things like, gosh, I wish we could review that play if we just had a better angle. If there was a camera that existed, wouldn't it be interesting if you know, we could take a look at that. But this is the only footage we have, and these are the only angles we have. So therefore, there's no way to really overturn the play. So we just have to stick with the call that was made on the field. It really is super gaslighting. There's no way around it. And I'm just, I, I'm, I'm continuously shocked that people continue to buy into it. And I think it also begs the question as to whether or not they're going to have all of those cameras in every college game going forward. Because if you don't have them in all of the games, isn't that unfair? I thought the rules were supposed to be the same for everybody. I thought the rules were supposed to apply to everyone. But it doesn't seem like that's going to be the case. Who knows? They might do that next year during their regular season. I, of course, won't know because I don't watch. But if it becomes an actual rule and something that exists on the field of every single college game, Regardless of where the location is, and regardless of the teams playing, and regardless of their record, well, okay, great. They're just always toying with it, because they're always trying to get more people to watch. This is why, again, and this has been brought up on, on the show here before, and even Sicily and New Mexico brought this to my attention, the, the constant reshuffling of teams within conferences. That's all happening because of the one major reason that they all don't want to bring up, which is less people are watching sports. It's a money grab. This is why Oregon, what, what is it? Oregon, Washington, and UCLA are now going to be in the, big, in the Big Ten. And it's not even called the Big Ten anymore. I think it's called like the Big Conference, which sounds even dumber. But there you go. They've never been in the quote-unquote Big Ten. Those were always Pac-12 teams. So why is it that you're handpicking arguably some of the better Pac-12 teams and throwing them into another conference to, to make that conference bigger than what it is. Again, you're watching the elimination of these conferences and then the overstacking of these conferences, and it's all because less people are watching sports. 
The mouth breathers are still out there watching it on a constant basis, and that's about it. You know, the people that we've seen on on TV sitting in a sitting in a a pile of mud on a on a muddy hill in the pouring rain with a tarp over their head as they watch people kick a ball and throw a ball around. Those are the real only people, I think, at this stage of the game watching the game much anymore. And college football knows that, which again is why, in my opinion, they you know, they bring in the likes of Pat McAfee and AJ Hawk and these guys because, you know, they curse and they yell about the game and they call out particular corruption and they make fun of refs and they they do the things that those older guys never did or would never do. And I suppose that brings some interest into the game, but at the exact same time, people just aren't interested in the game anymore. And all games for that matter. And I think that's a good thing. I think ultimately people are going to realize that their time is better spent doing things that matter and not wasting their time on, you know, watching college students make hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars, uh, you know, because their image is all over the place and in commercials now. It's remarkably ridiculous. But anyway, that's my two cents on it. So there you have it. Okay. There's also this. This was interesting. Quick little uh, update on Kim Carter. She's she's been offered jobs, from what I understand, and and even still, I think trying to find the exact right job that that she wants, where she can operate on her own. But what was interesting was is throughout the last couple of months, she was applying for unemployment through the state of Ohio, for obvious reasons, as as one is you know looking for for the right fit. Initially, apparently. Her application for unemployment was denied, and then she handed over all of the evidence to her lawyer, I believe, if I'm getting the story correct, and her lawyer uh, appealed the initial reaction or initial ruling to her being denied unemployment because of, of course, the way that she was treated and, and the terms in which she left. And as it turns out, her application was then reversed, and she sent me a screenshot of the state of Ohio's reversal, and here's what it actually said regarding Select Specialty Hospital, where, of course, she used to work with inside Cincinnati Children's Hospital. And yeah, so here's what it said. It said, quote, this agency finds that the claimant was discharged by Select Specialty Hospital Cincinnati, Inc. on 11-2 of 2023 without just cause. Per Ohio Revised Code Section 4141.29, D2A. It says the facts provided did not support that claimant failed to follow company instructions, policy, contract, or reasonable standards of conduct. And there you go. It says you're eligible for benefits, unemployment benefits, and there you have it. So there you I mean that it, it doesn't get any clearer than that. She went through, I mean, I find this interesting. She went through unemployment to get the state of Ohio's unemployment lawyers to say, yes, she was unreasonably discharged or discharged without just cause. I mean, it's beyond perfect. And my understanding is that she's going to use this to her advantage with some legal case going forward here, either against select medical or it would have to be against select medical. But uh, yeah, just wanted to bring that to your attention. I think that's a very interesting way of going about it. And hey, again, if the lawyers for unemployment at the state level say, yeah, you're right, uh, you were let go 
because they just wanted you gone. It, it wasn't because you you didn't do something or you didn't follow policy or you broke you know you you broke a law or whatever it was. You were actually following your oath and keeping people safe and and you did exactly what you were supposed to do. Well, great. I mean that's that's excellent. So all these hospitals, I'll tell you what, they're all going to be in it. They're all going to be in it at some point. Uh, again, it, it's it's little inroads like that and, and these little victories, so to speak, and I don't want to minimize it. It's not a little victory. It's a big victory, but these kinds of victories have to be celebrated and they have to be talked about because, again, you know, it's it's the man against the masses. It's the individual against the giant. And, uh, yeah, we can win, but there's ways of doing it, and persistence is usually the way that it gets done, and she's persistent as all get out. So. Congratulations to her, and again, I hope she finds a place that fits so she can uh, continue to communicate with us and, and bring us some real dirt as to what she's seeing on the ground. Okay, let me slide into education here. Okay, first there was this. This is from in informationliberation.com, and it is titled, Study, Average IQ of College Students Has Fallen Over Decades Now Matches the General Population. Now, what I'm going to do here is I'm going to read the background, the method, the results, and the discussion. Uh, this is rather interesting, I think, and it's not something, again, that should shock a whole lot of people. We have seen what's been going on on the university campuses for a very long time, what they tolerate, what they don't, what they allow, what they don't. And, uh, and then I have a local story at the end of this that I want to bring up that I think ties into it, uh, at least from a certain angle. But either way, here's, uh, here's what it said. The meta-analysis says, on average, undergraduate students' intelligence is merely average. And there were, let's see, one, two, three authors to this one. Here's the background. It says, according to widespread belief, the average IQ of university students is 115 to 130 IQ points. That is substantially higher than the average IQ of the general population which is generally 100. It says, we trace the origins of this belief to obsolete intelligence data collected in 1940s and 1950s when university education was the privilege of the few. Examination of more recent IQ data indicate that IQ of university students and university graduates dropped to the average of the general population. The decline in the student's IQ is a necessary consequence of increasing educational attainment over the last 80 years. It says, today, graduating from university is more common than completing high school in the 1940s. The method that they used is they said, we conducted a meta-analysis of the mean IQ scores of college and university students' samples tested with the Welchler Adult Intelligence Scale Between 1939 and 2022. Now, here's what's interesting. This particular adult, quote-unquote, intelligence scale is actually used with individuals typically between the ages of 6 and 16. I'm not saying it can't be used with others. Clearly, it is. But it's usually used for individuals, allegedly, between the ages of 6 and 16, and there's four particular parts to this test. The first part is verbal comprehension. They give them something to read. What, what, does it, what does it mean? Do you understand what this is? Can you repeat this back to us? That kind of a thing. The next one is visual problem solving. 
So again, it could be it could be a puzzle that they have to put together, or it could be a particular picture of a conflict, and they have to decide what it is that's actually going on in the situation. There are numerous other examples, I'm sure. There's also working memory, which is the third part. And then, you know, again, basic memory game. Let me tell you a particular sentence, or let me show you a couple of objects, and I'll put all of those together, and then tell me what you saw and what, uh, and what you just read as quickly as you can. And then there's processing speed, which is, you know, timed activities. So those are the four different kinds. And that's apparently what they use with this, with these, with these college students, and of course, compared their scores over this 80-year period. Uh, so here we go. It says the results. The results show that the average IQ of undergraduate students today is a mere 102 IQ points and declined by approximately 0.2 IQ points per year. The student's IQ also varies substantially across universities and is correlated with the selectivity of universities measured by average SAT scores of admitted students. Now, before I get into the discussion portion of this particular study, again, I, I find that remarkably hilarious because, again, we know that SAT scores don't really test for much. Again, it has a lot to do with how many lies are you allowed to memorize. So, again, the individuals that do well on the SAT score take it seriously. They, they view that as being an ac basically an accurate measurement of who they are as a person and how likely they are to succeed at a particular thing, when in fact, it's really asking them, again, questions about particular subjects, many of which may not even be real. Now, I'm, I'm certain that there's a lot of comprehension questions on the SAT exam. I personally have never taken it, but there certainly have to be. Um, and even so, how does that actually measure up to what is typically referred to as an IQ test? Do those two things align with one another or do they not? Not to mention the other variable of where did the person go to school? Again, that may not be an accurate measurement of anything. We've, we've read numerous stories, and I've brought them up here on this show, of endless individuals that work with companies or individuals that hire individuals who own their own businesses, and they openly state that they don't want to hire individuals from Ivy League schools. They aren't interested in it. It's the way that they talk. It's their lack of comprehension. It's their lack of visual awareness. They basically would fail the general parameters of this particular IQ test. So with all of that said, again, it's, you know, it, it depends on what you're comparing it to, I think. Either way, here's what the discussion says. It says these findings have wide-ranging implications. First, Universities and professors need to realize that students are no longer extraordinary but merely average and have to adjust curricula and academic standards. That's not good either. I'm going to jump in real quick. That's not good because what are they doing, of course? They're dumbing it down. And that really is actually the vast majority of the education profession is you dumb down the material the best that you can as, as an educator, so to speak, because the educator is trying to play a particular game within the particular parameters of their job. And then who's downhill from that? Well, it's the students. And if all of the students aren't succeeding or you're not raising the bar for everybody equally, then that bar is getting lowered with time on a year-in, year-out basis, semester-in, semester-out basis, and a student-in, student-out basis, which is why you, of course, have all of the division that exists with students now, all of, all of the 
learning accommodations, so to speak, and the paperwork that exists. All of this is designed to weigh that bar of expectations down to the absolute ground. And then, of course, you're doing the exact same thing with everybody, regardless of their, you know, quote unquote, level of intelligence. You're actually taking some of the brighter individuals and you're making them dumber. And then, of course, again, if the so-called educator is the one doing this, well, then what are they doing to themselves as an educator? I mean, this is such a far-reaching problem, and it's been written about at length by endless individuals, philosophers, educators, you know, you, you name it. And, of course, it's been witnessed by endless people. You know, and it's that constant debate also of, I sent my kid out to, you know, off to college, and the first Christmas break back, they came back after a semester, and they were a completely different person. Again, endless stories of that existing, certainly on a personal level with numerous individuals, I'm, I'm certain of it. I mean, they're convincing children that, again, b- becoming politically active or picking sides and you know, mutilating your own genitals and a thousand other things is absolutely normal, and you should all be questioning all of this and let's just live in this ether of nonsense. I mean, that's going to create confusion, and confusion creates what? It creates a lack of thinking, and it just creates reacting to things. So, yeah, it, it does have wide-ranging implications. That's putting it mildly. It then says this. It says, second, employers can no longer rely on applicants with university degrees to be more capable or smarter than those without degrees. That's, yeah, I, I, I think that's 100% accurate. Doesn't that render the university degree obsolete then? I certainly think so. It says third here, students need to realize that acceptance into university is no longer an invitation to join an elite group. Yeah, that's true. Again, many of them think that that it is. You've heard me talk about openly about online education. It's not about entering some elite group. And again, when I was attaining my master's degree and PhD, I I never viewed myself as being elite. It didn't matter what school I was going to. I I never thought to myself, well, this name matters and this name matters. No, I mean, it really was about the journey. It was about just wanting to learn and having that framework and that area to learn. I think think back then, again, 80 years ago, the whole prestige of, of the particular name of where you went to school you know, it was just window dressing. That, that was a salesman's pitch. And it worked back then, but it's clearly evident it doesn't work now. In fact, depending on the university you attend, in particular the more expensive university, you're just going to get laughed at. It says, fourth, the myth of brilliant undergraduate students is scientific and popular literature needs to be dispelled. Agreed. It says, fifth, Estimating pre-morbid IQ based on educational attainment is vastly inaccurate, obsolete, not evidence-based, and mere speculations. Yeah, it says, sixth, obsolete IQ data or tests ought not to be used to make high-stakes decisions about individuals, for example, by clinical psychologists who opine about the intelligence and cognitive abilities of their clients. I would I would agree with that, which, as you heard me say at the top, you know, it brings into the question the validity of the IQ test altogether. It's common sense, really. It, it boils down to common sense. It boils down to do you blindly trust individuals or don't you? 
do you think about particular things openly and investigate things or don't you? If you're just blindly following individuals, that's not a survivable characteristic, as you've heard me say. You know, I can't help but think of the the Dave Pakman guy that I played in the last show when he was trying to, you know, pseudo-analyze that ridiculous conversation between Bill Maher and Seth MacFarlane. It, it, well, I mean, what a waste of time. What an absolute waste of time. And there's no IQ there whatsoever. None. I mean, in one, in one audio clip, I think he said something like, I, I looked into whether or not that, was, that claim was accurate, and I couldn't find any information on it. And he just kind of like blew it off. He, he tilts his head. He looks in a different direction. His voice goes up to the sky. That's his justification for not being able to have search skills. So if he doesn't have the internet search skills above a first grader, well, he just told you. Basically, again, if it doesn't happen in a conversation with somebody that he agrees with, then it must not be true. It's ridiculous. It wraps up here, and it says, This is an astonishingly important study, and most of their conclusions are dead on, with the exception of the part about further dumbing down the curriculum. It said this study needs to be on the desk of every CEO in America. I fail to see any point in college at all if it's just an extension of high school with no real gains. We need to go back to the time when college was only for the exceptional and high schools had actual standards. Well, good luck with that. It says for some time now, the high IQ have actually been crowned out of the colleges as a result of alienating woke brainwashing and extremely dumbed-down curriculum. Many high IQ people are literally not stupid enough to go to college, even though in an ideal world, they should stand to benefit the most from higher education, unquote. And again, that depends on what they're being sent into. And that really is the problem here. It's the problem of what they're being, you know, what product is being sent to a particular location and then what is that location's product producing and giving, and giving that said product when it comes to an actual student. They're not giving them anything. They're not giving them anything that matters, and they're not giving them anything that they can use. It's just come here for at least four years. We'll spit opinions at one another. We'll, we'll, we'll build a resume, allegedly, make it look like we've done things. We'll throw in all the, all the latest Marxist terminology and buzzwords like diversity, equity, and inclusion, and then someone will hire us. I'm telling you, having diversity, equity, and inclusion on a resume is about as useless if not as useless, and I would say it's equally as dangerous as having pronouns next to your name. It is that dumb. Well, I was on this diversity group, and I was on this equitable commission, and we did blah, blah, blah. No one really cares. That doesn't apply to the real world in any real-life situation. So there you go. I think this, again, th this is an interesting study. Again, they're, they're using they're using an interesting measurement that would typically be used for 6 to 16 year olds and i don't think that that's a you know i mean that's interesting because if college students aren't scoring well on that well that's awfully telling isn't it and i'll tell you something i think that leads right into this and it, it is a decent transition here this right here continues to be you know the fool me once shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me kind of thing. But now it's, you know, fool me half a dozen times or a dozen times, and I'm completely retarded. This fake shooting stuff 
and fake school shooting stuff and false flag psychological operation stuff continues to fool people. It continues to fool them, in particular individuals on the so-called awake right. And this too, again, is, is one of those really disappointing things that, that does exist, unfortunately. And, and like I've said before, with these past fake school shootings like Nashville and Uvalde, it's, it's the gab environment and, and the individuals on, on social media on gab that just don't get it. I mean, they really don't understand. And frankly, I think one of the hooks for the so-called awake right, for them to grasp onto, mentally speaking, and, and of course, rationalize their decision that, oh, this must have happened, is because in, in these recent stories that have come out regarding these fake school shootings, the individual who is propped up as being the so-called shooter and the murderer, the mass murderer, all of which apparently randomly end up dead one way or another, either they shoot themselves or they're shot by police or they don't know what happened, but they just disappeared. Um, th they all happen to be quote-unquote transgender or they identify as the opposite sex or they dress up as the opposite sex or whatever the you know, whatever the scripted manifesto seems to be. They're basically a mental patient. But it doesn't go beyond that. And again, the people on the so-called awake right use that, and they simply say to themselves, look, it's another tranny. Another tranny did this. And then what do the people on the left say? The people on the left say, we need more mental health services. We need more people to just be sympathetic and understand that this is hard, and this is difficult for them, and they're in a tough space in their life, and it's a tough situation, and we can't, you know, we, we can't possibly begin to imagine what it's like to live in the body that you don't think is yours. It, it pacifies everybody on both sides instead of people looking at what I've said endless times, policy, inconsistency, and then what, what narrative or story actually gets told. And does that match up with anything that's happened in the past? Again, if it smells like a duck and it walks like a duck and it sounds like a duck and it looks like a duck, it's not a giraffe. It's a duck. And that's the scientific method also. you got to bounce it all the way down to some kind of a conclusion. And then if your conclusion isn't 100% solid, then, then you have to create another hypothesis. And you have to bounce all the way back to the top again and then run it right through. The thing that I have to consistently remind myself, and I'm taking a little left turn here real quick, is that when I'm on social media, in, in particular on Gab or Great Awakening Dotwin or whatever, and I mention that these school shootings are fake, I'm under the assumption that the person that I'm talking with or having a back and forth with or a person who reacts to something that I say that that's not like some Israeli bot of some kind. And it, it very well could be. Again, I, I brought up a particular school shooting that actually a lot of people hadn't even heard of, and I didn't even hear of it either, until uh, my Michigan business owner friend basically sent me this particular story from back before Columbine. And they said that they were going to write a, uh, a substack about it. And I was like, awesome, go for it. I, had, I hadn't even heard of this. This particular school shooting, and I'm not going to get many of the details right, but out of the gate, this particular school shooting took place in an Oregon high school. It looked like a high school anyway, and, uh, and it was allegedly done by one, one white male shooter. 
it, it couldn't it couldn't be more fake. It just couldn't be. And here here was the dead giveaway. In this video, after the shooting took place on the exact same day, can't make this up, on the exact same day, they cuff the shooter with his hands in front of him. They put a jacket over top of him, what looks like an FBI jacket, one of those, you know, like thin blue jackets. They, they was, you know, rain slick kind of things. They put that over top of him, and then they actually record him on video walking around with an investigator on the same day, if memory serves, throughout the school to describe where he was, when he was, and what he was doing at that particular location. Now, is that what you do with someone who murders people? Is you take that individual back on camera and then air that footage for people to see as they're walking through the crime scene where they allegedly just killed people? It doesn't happen. They don't do that. They didn't take OJ back to the scene of the crime, did they? The jury went back to OJ's house. The jury looked at particular things, and of course, it, the whole scene had been tampered with by, at that point, but they didn't bring OJ in cuffs back to the scene of the crime. They don't do that. That would indicate that it was, that it was 100% fake. What was interesting was, is I put that up on Gab and I made a comment about it, being 100% fake and encouraging people to watch the video. Immediately, somebody on Gab was like, whatever, dude, I lived there. I lived there when that happened and it was 100% real. That right there is also the dead giveaway that the person that's communicating with you in an online environment is making it up. They're either, they're either not associated with that fake shooting at all, never even lived there, or they're just flat out uh, you know, misguided in, in one way or another because they didn't comment on any of the absurdity in the actual video. So with that particular example aside, let me get to the Iowa thing because the Iowa thing was absolutely ridiculous. And even Alex Stein was there yelling at the police officer after this particular audio, which I'll play here in a little bit. And he was going, so you're not even going to tell us, like, you know, how many people died and, and how many people the, the, the shooter killed and, and what gun they used and blah, blah, blah. I mean, they were all tight-lipped about it and kept saying, well, we're not going to answer questions at this time. That's because they hadn't formal, formulated their, their story yet. But I'll, again, I'll get to that in a little bit. Anyway, this is from truthpress.com, and it says the following. Iowa school shooter identified allegedly part of the transgender movement. See, this pulls in the right. Truthpress.com is a conservative website. Now everybody on the right goes, it was another tranny. Not taking into effect that maybe it just didn't happen. It says school shooting occurred in Iowa on Thursday morning, and it happened at 737 in the morning right before school, about 15 minutes before school started. It says, according to the reports, the shooter opened fire, uh, opened fire before 8 a.m., injuring at least three people before taking his own life. Injuring at least three people before taking his own life. Did he kill anybody? It says, the incident happened at Perry High School in Dallas County, with police quickly securing the scene. Now, the shooter has been allegedly identified as Dylan Butler, and his background is going to bust some narratives. And it's the same background story that, that has occurred with all of these so-called shooters, that there were, you know, videos of them with, uh, you know, toy guns, and, and they were considered a, an outcast, and 
Then again, the social media outrage of people saying, you know, alleged real people, they could again be bots or just paid operatives, but, or unpaid operatives, but they're immediately going on an online environment and essentially saying, I went to school with him. He was always picked on and he was getting picked on constantly. And he once told me that he was going to get them back and blah, blah, blah. It could all be fake. So again, just because you're reading it in an online environment doesn't make it real. It said that it says here the suspected Iowa shooter who injured three people, including the principal. What are the odds? Before turning the gun on himself, has been identified as this as the school as a school senior. It says Dylan Butler, who is a senior at Perry High School, was named as the suspected gunman by local news outlet WHO 13. Police have not confirmed the identification. You, you, you just said who it was. So why, why do the police not know when this outlet is saying that they know? It says one of the three people injured was the school's principal, Dan Marburger, who was rushed to the hospital and is currently in surgery for his gunshot wound. The other two people injured were students, according to the reports. I'm going to finish this up because, again, then I'm going to play the audio from two contradicting examples here. It says, hours before the, the shooting took place, at 3.37 a.m., Butler posted a TikTok posting in what appeared to be the school bathroom with the caption, Now We Wait. The senior pulled an odd face as a blue duffel bag sits on the ground of the stall. The revelation didn't come from police who have yet to officially identify the shooter. So the police apparently still don't know who the shooter is. It says, but news outlets, including the Daily Mail, have ascertained his identity from what appears to be a TikTok he posted just before the shooting. In it, you can see Butler making a face while standing next to a duffel bag, presumably containing the weapons he used. So the police can't figure out who the kid is, but people watching TikTok videos can. Do you see how this can easily be made up? Again. When you take speculation and you throw it out to the public and you don't give answers to the public, the speculation goes, goes all over the place. It was like the New Year's Day, uh, Miami Mall, whatever that was, all the police cars all over the Miami Mall on, on New Year's Day, I think it was. People were like, it's, it's space aliens walking around. It's a bunch of space aliens. Maybe it's just Masons playing Mason games. Maybe it's everybody just running there in an effort to, again, allow the speculation to take place and panic people. Because, again, if you've, if you've seen that footage, which I think I threw in a war video, when have you ever seen that many police cars in one location ever in the history of anything? And, and then, again, no, no discussion about it in the media. Uh, you know, let let speculation run rampant on every social media platform. No critical thinking, no questions, and no concept of evil. That's the real problem here is people can't conceive how easy it is for people to be evil. And they know that they can get away with it because all they have to do is just manufacture chaos. It then says this. It says, who is Butler? His social media has largely been scrubbed already. But some were able to capture screenshots and videos of his online presence before that happened. Specifically, he had a pride flag in his TikTok bio 
shared the transgender flag in his posts and had all and had allegedly rather participated in a transgender reddit group under the name Dylan Pickles 1996 hilarious Dylan Pickles anyway it says whether any of this speaks to the motives behind the shooting is unknown certainly though he does not fit the typical left wing caricature of a mass shooter and because of that you can expect this story to recede into the background very quickly I don't think that's the only reason that no one's talking about it anymore. Uh, again, I, just because he doesn't m make up the physical makeup of what a leftist has in their mind when it comes to a school shooter do doesn't mean that that's the reason it's going away. I think it's going away because it's absurd. I think the entire story is absurd, and that's why it, do it doesn't have any legs. It was a poorly done fake shooting. Not to mention who is in control of his social media. If he's dead, as the story goes, then, then why was his social media scrubbed? Who was scrubbing it? It begs the question, who was controlling it then? It sounds just like a giant Fed operation to me. That's my two cents. Now, here's what I want to do. I want to play two pieces of audio. And I thought about what order to play these in, and I don't know if it's going to matter necessarily. But I do want to do this. In fact, here's the order I'll do it. I want to play this first video. This first video was based out of Houston. And what you're going to hear is the Houston Police Department, or one of their police chiefs, is describing this entire shooting and this entire situation in less than three minutes. Again, it's a, it's a two minute and 44 second clip. And this shooting took place just a couple of hours before this police officers and police chiefs update on the entire situation. I want you to hear all of the details that this guy has. Keeping in mind, this entire incident occurred in one day, but only hours apart, just a couple of hours apart. So he describes, you know, there was a shooting at, at, at 8 p.m. and then blah, 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 and, and then he'll get right into it. And then just remember the fluidity of his details regarding this particular shooting. Again, this is not the, the, the fake school shooting. This is a completely separate thing. I'm just playing this to show you the, the comparison and the contrast in their ability to gather details in a short amount of time. So give this guy a listen and again, hone in on the details because he knows a lot of details about something that was, you know, rather serious and just happened a few hours prior. So give this a listen in three, two, one. 700 Bateswood, uh, around 8.30 is when all this occurred, 8.30 at night. Um, a lot of details to this. We have one adult male, should be in his, we believe in his mid-30s, um, that has been shot in the stomach and twice in the leg. Um, we have one individual who is our suspect to the shooting um, that as of right now looks like he's going to be charged with aggravated assault, deadly weapon. So how all this, how all these folks are connected is the individual that did the shooting was married to a, a woman. It's his ex-wife who is now married to the individual that was shot. So ex-husband, his wife is married to a, another, his wife is married to another man and they've been married quite a while. The original marriage between our suspect and the wife, they actually have four kids together, ages from 17 to 10. And they actually live close by. One lives in an apartment complex on one street. One lives on the, on the other side of the street. 
and they evidently are good about sharing the kids back and forth. Well, today, the 12-year-old little girl wrote a note to her mother saying that she had been uh, being sexually abused by her stepfather, who is the current husband. The daughter, the mother sees the note, immediately goes, gets her daughter, who is actually at her real father's house, and takes her back to her apartment. And the, when, the, when the, her ex-husband gets home, the real father gets over there, she tells him, he comes over and they start to discuss it. As they're discussing it, the stepfather, who is being accused, steps in and he's denying what's going on. Uh, when, when that occurs, the daughter and the, the ex-wife, they step out of the apartment. And that's when things got heated, obviously, uh, between the, the real father and the stepfather. The real father shot the, uh, shot the stepfather the three times, the, the stomach and the legs. He, uh, he's, he was on this, not at the scene, but at his apartment when officers got there, he's cooperating. Um, our investigators are working through it. There were also, they're all, they're also working, um, with the daughter to determine all the facts of that, as far as the sexual assault goes. So prayers for that whole family. Uh, the suspect that was, is being accused of the sexual assault that was shot. He is in surgery, uh, is in bad shape, but we believe he's possibly going to make it. So, like I said, a lot of moving parts. Our investigators are on top of everything, and we will, they will work the whole, you know, get to the bottom, and hopefully everything will work out for the best. Again, his update to the media was just a few couple hours, two, three hours after it actually happened. A lot of details there. He had the time, the location, the locations of the gunshot wounds, all the individuals involved. The backstories on all participants, where they lived, he had everything. He had everything. Now, I understand the argument. Somebody would say, well, Sean, it's the Houston Police Department, and they, you know, they're a bigger department, and maybe they have more people on hand, and they can get to the bottom of things a little bit quicker, and blah, blah, blah. And you know, that shooting at that Iowa school was, was uh, you know, in the middle of nowhere, and their police force isn't nearly as big, and they needed the extra help. That's why they got the feds in there and the ATF and blah, blah, blah. Why wasn't the ATF and the feds involved in this shooting? Why is it that local police handled that shooting, but feds always show up and the ATF always show up at these so-called fake school shootings or real school shootings as they want people to believe? Because why? Schools are federally owned by taxpayer dollars from the public and so on and so forth, and the employees are paid by the state. That's, that, that's why the feds have to always get involved. I just don't buy it. I think they need the feds there because they have a story to create. They have mouths that they need to keep closed. But that guy in that real situation in Houston, he had all the details. And again, that happened just the other day. In fact, it happened, I, I believe, the day before this Ohio thing. Either way, I I'm using this as a compare and contrast. Now listen to this. Now I'm going to play the audio from the first press conference at the actual location of the high school, where, again, just to review, during the actual shooting and after the shooting, they didn't have anything. And I mean they didn't have anything on their Facebook page as a school or on their website as an entire district. It wasn't until at least, I want to say, 2 in the afternoon, which if the shooting took place at 7.37, you're talking 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 1, 2. You're talking 
seven hours after the fact, did they finally put something up on their Facebook page? And what it said was, is that school was going to be closed last Thursday and Friday, but counseling services would be available within the school along with a therapy dog, a golden retriever therapy dog. And then school would return back to normal on Monday, this Monday. Now, again, before I play the audio, what happened in the Ethan Crumbly case, where, where four students actually died? They closed the school from November in 2021 until at least the beginning or middle of January a couple of months later a month and a half or so later. That's how long school was out for an actual school shooting. But this one, everybody's just back to school after the weekend. I'm telling you, these operations can take place with the people actually working inside of the building believing that it actually happened. They can traumatize students and staff members without them even questioning whether or not it happened. Maybe they didn't even hear a gunshot. Doesn't matter. If they say one happened or one went off, then it went off. Maybe something went off with blanks. Maybe they just made the noises. It's just too hinky. That's the whole point. It's too hinky. So let me play the audio from this, and this too is three minutes long. You're going to hear directly from this local sheriff who is involved. And he's got the feds standing right behind him, these special investigators. And then one of them, again, jumps in at the end. One of the guys standing behind the sheriff, he jumps in, gives his two cents sort of at the end. And then they all just walk away from the microphones and they don't take any questions. And that's when Alex Stein, of course, walked up to him and started questioning him. And, you know, why don't you have any details? Why aren't you talking to people? People are dying. He, he you know. Whether Alex Stein actually thinks that these school shootings are happening or not is another matter. I don't know if he does or he doesn't. But either way, here's the audio from that, and give this a listen now. And again, pay attention to the contrast in the you know the availability of details. Keeping in mind, this happened. This particular press conference happened at least five hours after the initial shooting, whereas the one that you just heard that was a couple hours after a shooting occurred. So give this a listen in three, two, one. My name is Sheriff Adam Infante, I-N-F-A-N-T-E. I'm the sheriff here in Dallas County. I'm joined by our state, local, and federal partners here, Perry High School. Uh, this morning at approximately 7.37 a.m., we had a Sears radio activation at the high school, which indicated an active shooter situation. Uh, an officer first arrived seven minutes of that activation uh, and located multiple gunshot victims. We're still unclear of exactly how many are injured uh, or what the extent of those are, but we're working on that right now. There is no further danger to the public. The community is safe. Uh, we're just now working backwards, trying to figure out everything that happened to make Um, there'll be another update later on today. Uh, it's still very early. This happened at approximately 7.37 morning. School didn't start yet, luckily. Uh, so there was very few 
students and faculty in the building, uh, which I think contributed to uh, a good outcome in that sense. But we'll have more information later on this afternoon. We will not be releasing any more information in the meantime. Uh, so please be patient with us so that we can talk with these victims and their families and try and figure out what happened. We won't be answering any questions today either for right now. Uh, we'll let you know later on this after, uh, afternoon what time we'll be meeting back with you again. And we hope to provide more detail then. We're still working on it. Yes. Oh, we'll get to that later on the I can't confirm that right now. No, not right now. Great point. Uh, the reunification center has already been established, uh, and that most of those, I think all kids have been tried already. Uh, so we're good in that. that thing. I can't answer that question. Yeah, can't answer that question. I will let you know. I, I, I don't know. Iowa Department of Public Safety will push out a message as far as location and time of the next cut. So if you go to the Iowa Department of Public Safety website, it'll be posted there probably within shortly after noon. Sorry. There's nothing more that we're going to yeah, be able to you. answer right now. Thank we'll you. Back. Absolutely incredible. It's incredible. When you compare those two pieces of audio that I just played, one of them happened and one of them did not. Again, that press conference for that Iowa school took place at least five hours after it actually happened. And they have no details to share. Is that what you do with the public? Five hours after something like that occurred, you have no details? Why is it that in the other fake school shootings, they had immediate details of everybody? Immediate details. It was like on, it's the same nonsense as 9-11. It was Osama bin Laden. And here's a picture of him. And here's CNN talking to him in a cave. And, oh, look, we have this random, uh, you know, ID and passport from one of the hijackers. And here are the planes. And, oh, look, here's video footage of the hijackers. They had all that script and all that story made up before that happened. They had it all made up immediately. Everybody knew exactly who was involved, all the players, and they were like, oh my God, this is incredible. Here, the guy goes, I, I, I got nothing. I got nothing. Uh, you know, a lot of long pauses, doesn't have any details, doesn't want to share how many are dead, if any. Is the shooter dead or not? Uh, we're not going to release that at this time. Do you know the name of the shooter? He goes, yep. And then that was it. Didn't say who it was. Well, Sean, they can't say because he's a minor. He's 17 years old. The dude doesn't look 17 years old. He looks like he's 25. At least. If not older than that. The whole thing is hinky. And again, those two goons behind him immediately walked up to him, tapped him on the back, and they were like, we're, we're going to stop it here. We'll get back to you later and blah, blah, blah. Don't worry about it. And then, of course, you heard the question about reunification. Is there a reunification site or is there a place where parents can come and pick up their kids? 
the guy was like, oh, uh, yeah, great question. Um, there is, and we've already made that known to everybody, and everybody's already been picked up, and everybody's okay. There was no reunification notice that went out on their Facebook page or their website. And again, I fully understand the excuse where someone would say, well, Sean, they have these automated text messages that they send out to parents, where if something like this occurs, the parents immediately find out, or they're supposed to immediately find out for the safety of their children so that they can come and pick up their children at a particular place or location or whatever. But did that even happen? Are there any pictures of any text messages that went out from the district? But don't worry, you know, here comes Monday and everything's back to normal when allegedly at least three or four people were were shot, including uh, a, a school principal, and then the, the gunman turned the gun on himself and killed himself. I don't buy it. I don't buy any of it. People just cannot comprehend lying and how lying operates and what the actual definition of the word conspiracy means. Two or more people engaging in an activity that is against the law. They're engaging in fraud. They're using school policy, breaking endless school policies, which endless communication avenues were broken based on all kinds of policy. There was no notice of any lockdown of any kind, like I said, even though no, even those notices go out on social media and text message and on their website. Our school and school districts and neighboring schools are all on lockdown because a shooting has just occurred. There wasn't a single post on Facebook about any of that. It was come back to school on Thursday or Friday if you need counseling. There's a dog here you can pet, and then we'll see everybody on Monday. Have a great weekend. You have to be shitting me. It's beyond embarrassing, but they're Masons. This is what they do. They are a secret society. They are not for us. They are against us. They are satanic in all of the ways that Satan is satanic when it comes to deception. That's his favorite game to play, among others, I'm sure. But the guy had no details. I, I, I don't know what else to say. There's lots of different ways that this cat can be skinned from a fake shooting standpoint, and, and that was just one of them. You can just have police say that something happened, and everybody is just supposed to believe the police when they say something happened. Me personally, I think that's remarkably dangerous. I think it's remarkably dangerous. And again, it should show a level of inconsistency when it comes to actual real school shootings that I think is beyond obvious at face value. So there you go. That's my Iowa fake school shooting breakdown. It's already gone. It's already out of the news. It's, I mean, that's it. It'll now be chalked up to a statistic, added to another book and another chart of never-ending fake statistics in order to justify gun control. It will be referenced yet again in the halls of Congress, I'm sure, certainly on the Education Department and Labor and whatever the hell that committee is. That'll be brought up. There was another shooting in Iowa. What a travesty. And then whatever senators and congressmen or women from, from Iowa, I'm sure, will comment on it. I, I don't think Donald Trump said anything about it during his speech. I didn't see his full speech the other day in Iowa, but again, it was held in what looked like a gymnasium, a school gymnasium. Um, I don't know. Beyond strange. 
but it didn't happen because you would have details. You would have all of those details. So that's, yeah, that, that's my breakdown on that. Um, it's going to happen again. It's going to keep happening. The question is, is if the next one occurs, is the media going to jump on it the way that they jumped on the Uvalde thing and the way that they jumped on the Nashville thing? Is Anderson Cooper going to show up at the scene and give us, uh, give us his take and his analysis as to what's going on as he interviews fake parents? Again, where are all the fake parents in this particular situation? Where are the names of the so-called victims? Where are they? They're nowhere to be found. They didn't even have that aspect of this entire script figured out. They didn't have that even in the script. So there you go. If you have no details during an actual shooting and you're a police officer, you should lose your job. But that's not going to happen because nothing happened here. All right. Let me bring this up too. This is kind of interesting. I meant to mention it, er, uh, make mention of it earlier during the, the IQ study. It's a local issue that occurred here back in, uh, I want to say, late November, early December. But there was a, it's, it's really a non-incident whatsoever. But it's sad that the media has spun this out of control. And even the local police department and the cucks that they are, in particular the police chief in this town. Um, you talk about a spineless, gutless waste of, waste of space. Chief Jones, I'm not a fan at all. He's at least triple jabbed. He's a federal agent also, and um, and just a just a just a dope. What what occurred was is there's a bar uptown called Brick Street. It used to be an old movie theater. In fact, I saw Superman four in that movie theater when I was a little kid. Either way, used to be a movie theater. Then it was transformed into a bar. Now again, it's kind of like a, a sports bar slash place where music gets played and whatever else. It's your average college bar. Anywho, um, there was a Miami University football player by the name of Devin Johnson who attempted to walk in one of the back doors or side doors of this establishment around 1.20 in the morning. And uh, again, the place was open and, and people were still serving alcohol, and I think they do until about 2 in the morning. Anyway, he blew past one of the employees, who was a female. Uh, making physical contact with her, gotten some verbal argument and physical altercation with other individuals. He was clearly intoxicated by all accounts. Uh, he's black. Keep that in mind going forward. Again, football player. Keep that in mind too. And then he ends up getting pushed out and let out by the security of the establishment. Police were called, and uh, and they ended up the the local. Security guys from the from the restaurant apparently got him on the ground and tried to subdue him, and he was resisting as as one would expect and and putting up a fight. And then uh, police were called to the scene, and one of them shows up and he's trying to detain him and he's still resisting and not putting his hands behind his back and they're not getting cuffs on him and the whole thing. Another police officer shows up, and this cop again gets on top of him, tries to arrest him. He's still re he's still resisting arrest. And he ends up uh, punching the kid in the back of the head like two or three times. And then he knees him, knees the student two or three times in the, in the side of the hip or in, you know, in the lower back or whatever it is, again, in an attempt to put cuffs on him and get him to stop, uh, stop resisting arrest. Well, you have to keep in mind, again, the times we live in and the dumbasses who apparently have nothing better to do with their time, they all got on social media and started to complain. 
about the entire situation as being police brutality. The old police brutality thing. And so, again, uh, people screaming for Black Lives Matter in town to get involved and the NAACP to get involved and XYZ and all this. And, you know, let's have a, let's have a, a stage protest and let's do this and let's do that. Again, people are so easily manipulated and they have no idea what the jobs of people are who actually carry out these very serious jobs. Again, you're not talking about faking a school shooting and you're not talking about an actual shooting that did take place between step-siblings or you know step-family members like in that Houston audio I just played. You're talking about what appeared to be a privileged, don't you know who I am, Miami University football player who happens to be black who in the reports is referred to as, and even by the media, Mr. Johnson. They can't say Devin Johnson because that would imply that he's a black kid. And they didn't say Miami University football player in the media outlets either. But he is a Miami University football player. So again, they're trying to, they're trying to whitewash the entire thing and make it sound like this is just your average Miami University student and we don't want to give away his race or any association that he has. But we'll just chalk this up to police brutality because, well, cops are a soft target. Let's go after them. And they did. And instead of saying, we placed him on administrative leave, we found no wrongdoing, the individual was, was clearly intoxicated, he was drunk, he's facing multiple charges, including felonies um, of assault, uh, resisting arrest, what was the other one? Uh, underage intoxication, and then criminal trespass. So, again, who comes to his aid? Black Lives Matter, the NCAA, his mother. My baby didn't do nothing. Okay, the, the mom comes to the defense. And then a bunch of left-wing dumbasses get on social media and start saying, you know, there needs to be an investigation. This is, a, this is an abomination. Well, because the police department and the police chief are as weak as they are, and because the city council are all left-wing jabbed lunatics who all have AIDS now, I'm sure they've commented on this thoroughly. What's happened is, is the local police department has hired an outside investigation to then investigate whether or not any of the codes of conduct from the police officer violated anything, which means you have a police department openly admitting that they can't even investigate their own, let alone look into whether or not there was wrongdoing. Now, a reason for that, if I had to take a guess, an educated one, is that when they come back with a, this police officer did everything that they were supposed to do, the situation was tense, blah, blah, blah. Don't worry, this outside agency said he didn't break our codes of conduct. He didn't break, he didn't, you know, do anything untoward uh, th that broke his contract or our rules. Then that will somehow diffuse the entire situation. What even the, the individuals who, again, bow the knee and bend the knee to Black Lives Matter don't understand is they're Bolsheviks. They don't care what the outcome is. If the outcome isn't what they want, then they won't quit. Now, I've seen the full video in its entirety. The dude punches the dude in the back of the head a couple of times to get his, to get his, uh, his arms behind his back. There was a time when you could use a nightstick. And you could just use a nightstick and lean a nightstick right into his ribs. Same thing. Again, fist, nightstick, you know, tomato, tomato. Same thing with a knee in the back. So what? 
Does the guy have a knife? Is he reaching for a gun? He's on his stomach. There's no way to know. But he was resisting arrest. He wasn't doing what he was told because he was intoxicated. He's black. He's a football player. He's a university student, and he's privileged, and he doesn't think that the rules apply to him. I told you I went to school with Ben Roethlisberger. Ben Roethlisberger went here. My brother was a bartender. And, uh, and Ben Roethlisberger walked into this bar where I worked for like a blink of an eye. Couldn't stand the place. But uh, Ben Roethlisberger, again, was one of those guys that would walk into a bar and, and pound on the bar and be like, give me a drink. And then not pay for it. And then they'd stop him and go, what are you doing? You have to pay for that. And he goes, do you know who I am? I mean, he was one of those guys. And I've told that story before, but I've, and I've also told the story about when Ben Roethlisberger got pinched in a parking lot for, for, uh, for buying drugs and for selling drugs with his wide receiver friend, uh, Michael Larkin, allegedly. Well, Michael, Michael Larkin got pinched, not Ben Roethlisberger. He was the golden boy. Again, this is the culture. This is the culture. And we wonder why the IQs are dropping and plummeting among those who attend colleges and universities. It's right here. The evidence is all over the place. So that's a thing, but I don't think anything's going to come of it. Um, just If it does, it's just going to be from left-wing lunatics who don't have lives, and they don't have anything else to do with their time, and you know they're Bolsheviks. So if they don't get the outcome that they want, then they'll scream and cry and shout and flop around on the ground and say, uh, you know, hands up, don't shoot. And do all that stupid stuff because that's that's what they do. So there you go. Just wanted to bring that to your attention also. It didn't make national news, I don't think, because it's a, it's a non-issue. <laughs> it really is. It's, it's, it was beyond embarrassing how this small, stupid little town wants to try to make uh, a non-issue into an issue. You've heard me talk about people who make problems and people who make work. Well, that's the left in a nutshell as far as I'm concerned. So there you go. Okay. One more thing here, kind of about IQ also, certainly I think. This was a little tweet that was going around the other day too from a Nick Stankovic. That's his real name. It says the following here. It says, this is so incredible I had to fact check it. Well, they're a leftist. And oh my God, it is true. How is this possible? How isn't everyone talking about it? How haven't even I not been aware of it? How have even I not been aware of it? Well, my bigger question, Nick, is, is why can't you spell out a sentence grammatically correct? At all, apparently. Anyway, he continued, and he said, United States ranks 138th out of 196 countries and territories. This is from Wikipedia, if that can be believed. That lists it at 86% versus 79%. It says, China, Russia, Europe are all greater than 99% adult literacy rate. Latin America is all greater 90%, than 90%, and Mexico is 95%, Brazil is 93%, spare a few countries. It is mostly Africa that is below the United States. Link to Wikipedia in the comments. And apparently it says this, on average, 79% of the United States adults nationwide are illiterate in 2024. 21% of adults in the United States are illiterate in 2024. And 54% of adults have a literacy below a 6th grade level. 20% are below 5th grade level. 
Again, I have no reason to doubt that necessarily. It seems a little inflated, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. Just wanted to bring that to your attention, but certainly the current pattern of behavior would indicate that that is very plausible. Okay, moving on, jab-related stuff. This is from James Roguski, if I'm saying his name correctly. I just wanted to make mention of this very quickly, as he's certainly staying on top of the WHO's deadlines and their global health nonsense. This was from his Substack again, and it's titled, The WHO Deadline is Less Than Three Weeks Away. Now is the time to speak out about the upcoming World Health Organization deadline. Please help spread the word by sharing any and all of these videos on social media. And of course, this is all over his Substack and so on and so forth. It says the 77th World Health Assembly is scheduled to begin on May 27th of this year, 2024. It says the deadline for the working group for amendments to the international health regulations to submit their final package of targeted amendments is January 27th, 2024. If the Director General fails to communicate the text of any proposed amendments to all states, parties, before the deadline of the 27th of this month, then the World Health Assembly does not have any legal right to adopt any amendments at the 77th World Health Assembly in May of 2024. I'm going to leave it there. Ladies and gentlemen, here's where I come out on this. I don't care anymore what these globalists think they can get away with and what they think they're going to do. I just don't care. They can try to do whatever they want to do. As far as we are concerned, everything remains exactly the same. We already know how many order followers there are out there. We know that the companies will follow these orders if they even come down from a global level. We know that hospitals will follow these orders. We know that private companies will follow these orders, and they too will start saying, well, the World Health Organization says. Well, the World Health Organization said we should. It doesn't matter what they say. You give them a big middle finger, and you don't comply. You also do whatever you have to do to not attend or participate in anything that they touch. It's that simple. And I understand it'll get complicated from a debate standpoint because, again, you'll have constitutional lawyers say, well, this violates the Constitution. They can't do this. Well, of course, that goes without saying. But look what they've already gotten away with. Look what they've already gotten away with. They've gotten away with the dissemination of a biological weapon for the purpose of depopulation. Who's been held accountable? Nobody. So I don't, honestly, I don't care what the World Health Organization says or what they claim to mandate or XYZ. If you're foolish enough at this point, in this stage of the war, to walk across the battlefield without a gun in your hand, with no protection, no awareness, as shots are being fired from every single angle and bombs are being dropped on top of your head, well, then you have exactly coming the thing that you have coming. You're going to walk out into a minefield when people have said, that's a minefield, I wouldn't walk over there, and you're like, whatever, and then you do it anyway? Well, you have coming exactly what you have coming. It really is that simple at this point. Again, I'll stay on top of the World Health Organization stuff, but I'll be honest with you, I'm exhausted with it, and I just don't care what they have to say. 
I mean, I never cared what they had to say, but I wanted to bring, you know, particular things to bear so that we understand the moves that the enemy is making because, again, they are making moves and they're making them in public. And they're telling us the dates in which they're doing it, which, again, interesting timing, is it not? They're going to make some determination in, in May of this year, right before some summer of chaos pumps off, uh, most likely. And of course, it's an election year. I mean, again, the things that are going to take place here, I mean, look, we're, we're, we're seven, eight days into this year and all hell's already breaking loose and it's glorious. People are getting outed. People are panicking. People are screaming. The truth is being told. But at the exact same time, you know, don't look over there. A, a school shooting just took place. Don't look over there. This, this false flag just occurred. They're always trying to deceive us and get us to pay attention to a number of things that just don't matter. The World Health Organization, they do have a stake in this country. They want us all jabbed to death. They want us all to follow their policies and their quote-unquote guidelines from a global standpoint because they're playing the role of global government. That's why they were designed. That was the entire point. So they're going to continue to do that. They're not going to pretend like they're not. They don't have to pretend anymore. Hiding global government from the people used to be a game that they play, but they don't hide it anymore. They tell us. So. We'll note the dates, we'll note the times, we'll pay attention to it as things pop up, but live your life. Just live your life. They're the enemy. Don't do what the enemy says and don't fall for what the enemy wants you to fall for. That's all. I'm tired of it, frankly. But I'm also tired of the constitutionalists that are like, that violates the Constitution. They can't do that. Well, no shit. But they'll do it anyway, and they don't care. Constitution doesn't come into play regarding this. If a government is in place that wants to allow it because they're the so-called health experts, that government is going to allow it. And they will force it on people, and they'll force it within policy and within private organizations and the medical industry and schooling and all of it. Your, your work environment? It won't matter. We were already reading memos two, three years ago, even four years ago, from you know, the CDC and the World Health Organization and the WEF, and they all said this, well, then we just have to do it. And people just went along with it. They forfeited their rights. Make no mistake, people will forfeit their rights again until they're dead, and then, of course, they have no rights anymore. But we, we just can't comply. Just laugh. Laugh at these people. Laugh in their faces. Laugh at their policy. And just don't participate in the environments where they exist. I fully understand that's easier said than done for some, but eventually everybody's got to take a stand. I'm glad I got out of the education business when I did. 2020 would have been the last straw, but I was ahead of the curve. <laughs> what, do you, what do you want me to say? I was ahead of the curve. They were abusing students and abusing adults the entire time I was working in the education business. It's no different now. It's just way worse. Now they just got everybody to be the abuser. And now it's sanctioned in every line of work. Amazing how that, how that just shakes out, isn't it? Now there's this. Get a load of this. I came across this. I, I can't even believe this is real. It certainly doesn't seem like it. I put it out on Gab because, again, I, I said, is this actually real? 
again, I find it hard to believe. This is on the CDC's actual website, cdc.gov, and this has to do with all of their vaccination requirements. It's basically their giant vaccination page. There's a section of this where it's titled COVID-19 Vaccination Requirement. Now get a load of this. This has to do with quote-unquote immigrants and migrants. No, they're illegal aliens. Anyway, here's uh, five bullet points from this. The first bullet point says applicants must receive one dose of the COVID-19 vaccine if a dose is due at the time of the immigration medical examination. Is this happening? Are the so-called migrants actually receiving COVID shots? If they're not, which they're probably not, well, okay, so be it. If they are, that's not, I mean, it's not good for them, clearly. You know, they have AIDS then and they'll be dead, but they'll also be shedding on those of us who are not, and they'll be shedding on the people who are jabbed also. I mean, if you really wanted to kill people, wouldn't you flood a country with illegal aliens and jab all of them? Or maybe not. I, I, I don't know what the larger plan is here. Again, we, we fully understand that they're military-age men by and large, and if something pops off and gets activated, that these individuals will organize somewhere and become tools for a UN army of some kind. I know that's been widely uh, speculated on, and, and it's viable. Why not? But are, are actual illegal aliens receiving COVID jabs once they cross the border or once they're detained? I highly doubt that. The next one says, for the purposes of the immigration medical examination only, applicants who have not received a COVID-19 vaccine dose in the 12 months prior to the date of the exam are considered due for a dose. So are these quote-unquote migrants being told that they have to have a medical examination within the first year that they're living here and then receive a COVID jab if they haven't? Not to mention how many COVID jabs today equals full vaccination. Is it eight? Do they have to be glowing before uh, you know they're considered fully vaccinated? The next bullet point says, whenever possible, use updated vac- vaccine formulations. According to the current CDC guidance to fulfill this requirement, for adults, if these formulations are not available, use any other approved formulation. What the hell does that mean? For applicants under the age of 18 years, use only the updated Pfizer, Moderna, or Novavax COVID-19 vaccine according to CDC guidelines. And if not available... Use the not routinely available blanket waiver. Wow. So if they don't jab them, they just get to give them this waiver. So illegals get to get a waiver to not take the jabs. But if you work at a job, you have to take the jabs or else you'll lose your job. Got it. Got it. Are you mad yet? Here's the fourth bullet point. If the applicant has not had a dose of the COVID-19 vaccine in the past 12 months, but a law or regulation in the country where the exam is performed prevents the applicant from receiving a dose at the time of the exam, document the not routinely available blanket waiver. Ah, yes. Another excuse to not have them jabbed. Interesting. 
Perhaps they want them alive a little longer than they want us alive. Just a hunch there. Here's the last bullet point. It says, as with other vaccinations, additional doses recommended for people in older age groups with certain health conditions or who are immunocompromised are not required for immigration. Holy God. (laughs) So they don't, they're not forcing this really on anybody. Most of these bullet points, three out of the five, are excuses to not jab illegal aliens crossing our border. It's still a depopulation program, and they clearly want more of them here than us. So they're jabbing all Americans, or attempting to, and they're not jabbing illegal aliens and giving them endless outs and ways to fill out a blanket waiver, a not routinely available waiver. Interesting. The CDC has to be shut down. They're a criminal organization. They're responsible for the murders of endless people, and now they're facilitating illegal aliens coming into our country and letting them get away with not being jabbed with a bioweapon while they jab everybody else with a bioweapon who is a legal citizen of the United States. You can't tell me there's not a depopulation agenda. (laughs) You're not going to be able to convince me. Not at all. There's this too. AARP, yes, that's right, that AARP, they want people now to get their eighth COVID shot. And they're sending out numerous emails to individuals telling them to do so, as is CVS. They continue to send numerous individuals all kinds of emails. Make sure to get your RSV shot and your flu shot. You can get that and your COVID shot at the exact same time. Come get them all. AARP. Eight COVID shots. How many eyeballs do these people have now? Are they growing extra arms and limbs? I mean, what's happening? Here's the last one. And then I'm going to sign off. This is from the peoplesvoice.tv. French scientists warn newborns who receive RSV shots are dropping dead. It says French scientists have warned that babies who receive the RSV vaccines are dropping dead in unprecedented numbers. The researchers identified alarming safety signals in babies coinciding with the rollout of Bayfortis, a recently approved monoclonal antibody treatment for respiratory syncytial virus in newborns. There's no such thing as RSV in newborns. It's only side effects from the jabs. And what was the other thing coming out of Japan that I saw? The Japanese are introducing a amplified mRNA spike protein shot that is basically just worse than the other thing that they took. That it can be amplified, potentially remotely, if I'm not mistaken. Well, how would that be? What would the Japanese use to remotely amplify an mRNA shot? 5G towers, maybe? Yep, why not? It's already happened. Why not add to the pain? Honest to God, again, if people are dumb enough to fall for this, then, you know, they have coming what they have coming. So with that said, let's see if uh, Anthony Fauci shows up to Congress and spills the beans. I'm sure his hands will shake if he does testify. And it'll be interesting again to see what these pseudo-politicians bring up. Because again, remember, they're trying to play expert now. Now they're trying to play expert and they're trying to play hero during an election year. 
That's not an accident either. We can't rely on politicians to get done what we need to get done, and we can't rely on them to tell us what we already know. We've been ahead of the curve on this for a long time. You have, I have, we all have. We know what's going on. So it's an interesting show. But uh, again, I like watching that weasel squirm just like anybody else does. So that's apparently on January 8th or 9th. Or who knows? Maybe he takes the old Hunter Biden way out and, uh, you know, shows up and talks into a microphone outside of Congress and says, I don't owe anybody an explanation. And then he just goes home. We'll see. Time will tell. If he does speak, I guarantee I'll bring you some audio clips here on the show this week. With that said, ladies and gentlemen, thanks again for listening. God bless, and I'll catch you on Wednesday. Peace. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care, and God bless.